Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm going to read you a few bedtime stories. So, cats out of the bag, I'm so happy to announce that I am now a part of the Bloody Disgusting Network. Nothing is going to change for you, so don't worry. I know so many of you have some trauma related to past exciting announcements. This one is not any sort of exclusivity deal uh, that's going to totally fuck up your listening experience. This just means I'm going to have the support of an amazing brand that I've been a fan of for 20 years now. I'm very excited that they wanted me to be a part of their family, and I'm so happy to be here, and I hope you're excited for me. And this just means cool new stuff, hopefully, new projects and things I'll get to work on. So yay, go tell them thanks for having our uh, story lady. (laughs) I don't know. I'm very excited. Uh, So this week, I have three tales for you. I couldn't decide which order to put them in, since they're all very unique. So I decided the easiest thing to do was go from shortest to longest. The first story is from a returning author, Lindsay Hepburn. You know Lindsay from her other stories, Deadly Sins and Strange Weather. She is back with this little beauty, Summer Fishing. She sat on the dock, looking to the west as the sun set a golden pink behind the pine and cedar trees, kissing the lake on the far shore. The warm air had the aroma of a freshly used sauna, humid cedar, and a touch of smoke. The setting sun on the clouds made the sky look as if it were on fire and it almost perfectly reflected in the mirror-like surface of the lake. The only distinguishing up from down were the small ripples left behind from the dragonflies dipping down for a drink. A distant bloop could be heard every time the fisherman cast out his line from the small boat in the middle of the lake. She closed her eyes, at peace in her favorite lounge chair. This was the best time of day, when time was at its slowest, when the wind went home from work, the bugs took their leave, and the sun warmed your face for one last time before it went to bed. She was aware of the peace that she felt and welcomed it greatly. She had a rough time about a month ago, when her lover no longer wanted her as a mistress. She was foolish and said that she would tell his wife everything if he cut her off. They got into a terrible fight here on the dock that night, and things ended... badly. But that was all behind her now. Her thoughts went far away from that evening 
and back to watch the fishermen. It was now about 25 feet offshore in front of her dock. She had been coming to this spot to watch him for the last month, hoping to see him land the big catch, but content nonetheless in his company, even if he paid her no attention. The fisherman was taking his last few casts before the sun finally set, when the rod began to give resistance. He pulled his shoulders back as he reeled in and leaned forward again, repeating this motion. This was going to be a big lake trout. The unfortunate catch-22 with lake trout is, the larger they are, the lazier they are. And although the size can be a good story around the dinner table, a big lake trout does not give a good fight. It's more like pulling up a tire. She watched with amusement as he struggled with the weight at the end of the line. If he was anything like the people fond of fishing in her family, his heart would be pounding and the endorphins already flowing. Regardless of the lack of fight, there is something thrilling about seeing that white mass coming, appearing from the cold depths of the ink-black lake and becoming more and more visible when it is close to the boat. This could be a 40-inch fish. Her heart started to pound too. She sat up and put a hand on her forehead to shield the setting sun from her eyes so she could get a better look at the action. She felt that this could be the event she was waiting for. The fisherman was now standing in his boat, reaching for the net. Obviously, he could see the blue-white of what he hooked, and it was close enough to land in the boat. She closed her eyes, waiting. The fisherman let out a blood-curdling scream. He didn't land the prize-winning lake trout he had hoped for, but his lure was firmly gouged into the decaying thigh of a bloated body of what used to be a young woman. The body rolled over, its long, dark brown hair obscuring the face for a moment before floating to the side and revealing the lifeless, milky white eyes staring up at the fisherman. Its teeth were snarled into a horrible grimace and it had a single bullet hole in the middle of its forehead. She opened her eyes again, her hands still on her forehead. She pulled her hand away slightly and rubbed between her eyebrows with her index finger, feeling the hole that a bullet ripped through, demolishing her brain, blowing off the back of her skull, and ending her life. The fisherman's screams sent the birds flying up from the trees, creating perfect silhouettes in the dying pink sunset. She leaned back in her favorite chair and closed her eyes again. She was pleased that her body was now found and her family could have some closure. She took a long breath in smelling that warm cedar and pine scented air. She really did love it here, 
One horrible night was not going to ruin that for her. She would be back again, in this spot, tomorrow. And the day after that. And, she supposed, until the end of eternity. Next up, we have yet another returning author, Richard Kenway. And just a reminder, Richard has a fantastic book out called The Spirits of Vinehouse. I highly recommend picking it up from Amazon. You can get a Kindle version or you can get a paperback copy, which is what I got because I really want to send it to Richard to get him to sign it for me. <laughs> but it's a quick and it's a quick read and it's a really fun ghost story. Perfect for bringing around if you're doing any traveling this summer, going to like lay by a pool or a beach or anything. Perfect. So this week, Richard has for us the back seat. I love a good story. Who doesn't? Stories have been around since the beginning of time. The only difference is that, way, way, way back in the day, people used to sit around a campfire and tell stories to each other whilst the devils and boogeymen hid in the shadows around them. Okay, sure, the stories we tell nowadays are a bit tamer than they used to be. A bit more family-friendly, you might say. A flying saucer appears over New York City, and then the Earth's mightiest heroes gather and save the day. It's all good fun, but the bases have changed for thousands of years. It's still good versus evil in one respect or another. Most stories have an antagonist and a protagonist. Antagonist. A person who actively opposes or is hostile to someone or something. And protagonist. The leading character, or one of the major characters in a story. I suppose as the storyteller, by default, I am the protagonist in this tale. A tale that I am currently sounding out with the inner monologue inside my own mind. A story that may or may not ever be told or shared around a campfire, so to speak. But like I said earlier, I'm a sucker for a good story. This story starts with me sitting behind a computer screen at work, wearing my best and only white shirt and my black tie. I work for a broadband company and am blessed with a position in the customer service call center. I'm the guy you call when your internet cuts out. Most people understand that I can't simply push a button and make everything come back on. Some people, however, think that's exactly what I'm capable of. Take my latest caller, for example, a typical Karen if there ever was one phones up because her bill went up after 12 months of service, a fact that she was well aware of. Since she was a valued customer, I was able to offer her a deal on her television package by giving her extra channels for free. I gave her the option of movies or sports. And of course, 
that wasn't good enough. She didn't want movies or sports. She wanted the price she was originally paying when we first welcomed her. I tried to explain to her that everyone pays a lower rate when they first sign up and that the bill does increase after 12 months, but she wouldn't have any of it and insisted I put her through to my manager. I complied and then was called to my manager's office shortly after where I was given a verbal warning about being rude to the customers. I tried to argue my case and tell my side of the story, but all I got for my trouble was another lecture about how the customer is always right. Like anyone still believes that bullshit. All customer service means these days is how much shit can you take before you eventually snap and tell someone they can shove it. Needless to say, I walked out of the building that evening in a real foul mood. So foul, in fact, I kicked a rubbish bin on my way out. I sent that thing flying across the lobby. Something else I would be called into my manager's office for, but I didn't give a flying fuck. I stormed over to my car and pulled the door open so hard I could have pulled it free from the vehicle. I got in the car and slammed the door shut, fearing I might shatter the window. I swore again and reached down for the ignition and remembered that I hadn't taken it out of my coat pocket yet. I reached down and brought it out and inserted it into the ignition and stopped. If I hadn't taken the key out of my pocket. Then how was the car door unlocked? Did I unlock it without realizing it? It was easily done, and I was somewhat preoccupied with my anger. It was very possible I had slipped my hand in my pocket and pushed the button without consciously thinking about doing it. It wasn't unusual for me to do a U-turn on the way to work and head back home because I'd convinced myself that my door was still unlocked. I can be a bit absent-minded like that. I shook it off and I started the car, leaving the car park. I quit smoking several years ago, and now I use a vape pen, something that I've been trying very hard to wean myself off. I keep it in the middle compartment of my car, just behind the handbrake. I reached down for it, but my hands just couldn't seem to find its location. I chanced a quick glance, and even though I saw it, my eyes also caught a glimpse of something else. I took up my vape and I smoked it, knowing that what I saw out of the corner of my eye was a face looking up at me. The face of someone lying in my back seat. I placed my vape pen on the driver's side door compartment and gripped the steering wheel with both hands. Body language was everything. It gives a lot away. I know that he knows that I'm pissed off, but if I alert him in any way that I have become aware of his presence, it might force him to take action. I put on the radio and turned the volume up slightly. Not because I liked the song, but because I had become aware that my breathing had become heavier. I took another smoke from my vape pen and blew a thick cloud of smoke towards my windshield, where it dispersed across the screen. The turning to my house came and went. I didn't want to take this intruder back to my house. I checked my mirrors and switched lanes, 
Do I dare risk adjusting my mirror so I can see him more clearly? I put my hand on it, but I sensed movement behind me. It could have been my imagination, but I didn't know what this individual was capable of. Why did he choose my car? There were other cars in the car park that evening. Maybe I did leave my car unlocked, and he chose my car out of opportunity rather than a specific choice. I wondered if he had a weapon, and I wondered if he was willing to use it. But not whilst I was driving. That would be a terrible idea on his part. I had my seatbelt on, but as far as I knew, he didn't. I could speed up and hit a tree. Sure, I'd break a few bones and crack a few ribs, but chances were he'd come out a lot worse. Was it worth it? In the distance came the dim light of a 24-hour petrol station. I flipped on my indicator, and I pulled into the station beside one of the pumps. I could feel his eyes watching me as I slowly got out and walked around the back of the car to the gas pump. I didn't look directly into the car, but I knew he was watching me. I filled up the car and walked into the petrol station. I could have ended it here, told the cashier to call the police, wait for them to arrive, but I didn't. I purposely left the car unlocked and I gave him the choice to let himself out and leave. I even went to the bathroom just to give him a few extra minutes to decide. When I came back out and got back into my car, I chanced to look down and saw the face was still there, watching my every move. I pulled out of the petrol station and continued to drive. I wondered what weapon he had if he had a weapon at all. Was it a knife? A gun? If it was a gun, then why wasn't it pointed at the back of my head? He could take me hostage and force me to drive him anywhere. An ATM and force me to empty my bank account? Then leave me with a gaping hole in my head in a dark alley until someone stumbles on my cold, lifeless corpse. Or did he have a knife? If he stuck it in my side, how long would I have until I bled out? This would depend on if he left it in me or if he decided to yank it back out. I sucked on my vape pen again and watched the road through the smoke. I made a left-hand turn and drove down a quiet road. And still, the man in the back seat lay still. I stopped the car, reached under my seat for the tool I hadn't used in some time. Still, the man didn't move. I turned swiftly and put a bullet in his stomach. Only then did I see the large knife clutched in his hand. I got out of the car and walked calmly around to the back door. I opened it, pulled him out by his feet where he slumped to the ground beside me. I looked down at his face, and I felt sorry for him. My friend, this just isn't your day, I told him. I gave you several opportunities, 
and you missed every single one of them. I get it. I really do. Timing is everything after all, and you have to get it just right. I was the same way my first time. Still, he said nothing. He looked up at me, clutching his stomach, whilst the blood pooled over his hands and down into his trousers. If only I were a little longer in the tooth, I might have taken you under my wing, shown you how to do it properly. You have such drive, I can see it in your eyes. Even now, you think you can summon enough strength to stick that knife in me and take me to hell with you. You can't, and you won't. And I'm still in my prime, with my best years still in front of me. I put a bullet through his head and took the knife from him. The small, foldable shovel I keep in the back of the car made digging a grave hard work, but a small, foldable one is a lot easier to conceal than a proper one. I dragged his body to the hole and looked down at him. Such a waste. He could have really been something. But... I don't want the competition. I poured dirt over his body. Just enough to cover him over. There was room for another. And I still had to make a house call to a certain customer. Before I got home to dinner. And last, but certainly not least... We have Stuart Leach, who you may remember from his very scary tale, The Journal of Ezekiel Hayden. He's back with something a little squishier this time. This is The Hotel. This hotel, which will remain unnamed for purposes that will become very clear very quickly, has not been in business for quite some time. The unnamed town in which it takes place has kept it standing as a tourist attraction. It's also a well-known party spot for local teenagers. For one soul, however, this hotel is home. These walls were all he had ever known. The green fading florals and stripes that were once the wallpaper was now peeling and faded to a sickly design. Yet to him, it was still new. The carpet, once a deep maroon, now a stained brown. The low hanging ceiling lamps were either missing or all but burned out and not replaced for some time now. And yet, he still considered this home. He always had, and he always will. Walking through the hallways, one hand tracing the line that stretched across the wall, dividing the top wallpaper from a wood panel bottom. He remembered every day he ever lived here. Every moment and he cherished every single one of them. He looked into every room, 
each without a door and barren of any furnishings now. Some, most, had no walls left, showing themselves to their adjacent counterparts. Home. As he approached the room he chose as his own, he thought of what he would find within it. A singular FM radio, almost never on except for every other night when he knew his favorite DJ would be controlling the music of his favorite station. Always the golden oldies. The Beatles, Stones, Joplin, and the like. The music he was raised on. He would find a mattress against the back wall and underneath boarded up windows. It was the last remaining mattress in the building, and he made sure none of the teenagers who came here to party from time to time ever touched it. Those who did, well, the list of missing people in this town was palpable. A whole section of one of the building's outer walls was dedicated to posting missing person papers, which to him was all but ironic, considering a high percentage of those people had probably crossed paths with him. Underneath the mattress, he would find a knife. Nothing flashy. Black handle, five-inch blade with a slight curve at the top. A perfect tool, in his opinion. You don't need many tools. Just a knife and a rope, and you can change the world. Words he had heard numerous times growing up. He would find a hole in the wall to the left of the room. One that should have revealed the outer brick of the building and nothing more. But thanks to his father's work, was much, much more than that. Instead, the hole leads to the in-between. The space in between the walls. The space he could hide from those he would play with. Those he would play hide-and-seek with. Cat and mouse. As he approached the doorway, a sound reminded him of the last thing he would find within the room. It was quiet. Quite close to inaudible, in fact. So low that if he wasn't so keen on listening for the slightest creak of a floorboard, he may not have even heard it in the first place. And yet, it was there. To him as clear as the cars that rarely drove by. It was a whimper. Muffled. So quiet. And to him, so exhilarating. The gentle reminder of what awaited him made his heart pound. It sent an exciting chill through his very core. His fingers shook back and forth in a vibrating way, like that of a pianist practicing his keys. Now, he stood in the doorway, immediately looking at her. She was young, only a year or two younger than he was. She didn't even see him when he first found her tonight. He was sure that she didn't even hear his footsteps, even as they rushed up behind her. She was walking alone on this side of town, 
specifically on this street. It was fate that brought her to him. He knew the moment he laid eyes on her that she just had to be the next one. Her hair, a bright blonde, almost white in fact, pulled back in a tight ponytail. She wore a sweater of some brand he was completely unaware of or had a single care about. Her makeup was simple, quiet, and to him, most appealing. He saw her through the boarded window in his room and immediately put on an outfit to go out to her. Black boots to match his black jeans, a leather coat zipped to his throat, and the mask, the one he wore so many times before and would wear so many more times after tonight. It was a pig, and anyone who laid eyes on it would immediately see that it was that of a real pig's face. It was fleshed out and cut to pieces and re-stitched to fit his face snugly. When he put that mask on, that inner child of his would hide away to make room for it. It was something he had no name for, something he knew little to nothing about. He only knew what his father had taught him of it. It was a family friend, one that he must protect, one that he must feed. It took so much strength sometimes to subside the friend when he would let it take control. Sometimes it would refuse to let him back out. It would belittle him and it would spit at him acidic words of hate. And it would say them like no one else ever had. His father taught him quickly that when these moments happened, he just had to hush it, speak to it softly, and it would calm. It would let him take control again. He didn't always like watching what it did to the people he would bring here for it. Sometimes he had to close himself out from seeing what it did to them. But sometimes, like tonight, he couldn't resist watching from his excitement. The girl stirred in the chair he had her tied to. Her eyes were blindfolded, but her mouth was uncovered. Wake her up, he shouted at his friend. Let me enjoy this, it responded. Slowly, it walked towards her and kneeled before her, placing one hand on her chin. When she flinched at its touch, he grabbed her tighter and pulled her face closer to him. So close that his breathing, warm and disgusting, was all she could smell now. Its breathing almost sounded like a growl, low and raspy and full of anger and hatred and some darker emotion she had no real word for. All she felt was fear, unbridled, complete and total fear. 
What do you don't? It had heard them ask this question so many times. It was sick of hearing the questions. It only wanted two things. And it would get them. When it deemed it time. He stood up and walked around her, brushing a hand through her soft hair that he had untied himself. It was too nice looking not to play with, and it felt better than it had looked. Standing behind her, he leaned over and put his face by hers, his cheek rubbing against hers like a loving cat. Although she couldn't see the mask he was wearing, she knew the skin touching hers wasn't normal. There was a feeling to it, like old, untreated leather. Are you a religious one? It asked her, its voice resembling a gravel pit. What? He grabbed a handful of her hair and pulled her head backwards, her blindfolded eyes looking to the dimly lit ceiling. Do you have a god you believe in? At the question, she began to sob uncontrollably. The fear had shut off emotions completely at first, but now... The realization of what was to come was slowly settling in and all her body could do was shake and cry. Answer the damn question. He squeezed her hair tighter, almost ripping what he had in his hand. Yes! Yes, I believe in God! She choked through her sobs and forced inhales. Her answer made him let go. Forcefully, he pushed her head away from him, and she began to cry even harder. Now she had no idea how long she had cried, but he made no sound as she did for for so long that she thought he had left the room. That was until she finally slowed down her tears and began to compose herself. Finally, As the tears stopped, she felt his hand on her cheek again. She forced herself with every fiber of her being not to move at this. His touch felt so much more gentle this time. She was sure he was wearing a leather glove before, but this time it was his skin against hers. It even smelled sweet, like vanilla, and it eased her even more. His breathing was more leveled as well. The gravel was gone from his voice, and he sounded calming. God does many wonderful things, he said, his voice now sounding soft and happy. He sounded younger, and he even had a slight British accent that she hadn't noticed before. Yes, he he does. 
His miracles are amazing. She quietly responded. Do you live for him? He asked her. His hand was now playing with her hair sweetly, almost like a boyfriend will do to his girlfriend. Although it calmed her, it equally put her more on edge. Yes, I live for my God. The hand stopped. The gentle breathing quickly transitioned back to the gravel. She heard him walk away from her quickly. How dare you put me away like that? He said, but she didn't think it was to her. I'm sorry, you were scaring me. Was there someone else in the room with them? It sounded like a parent talking to a child. The sound of flesh on flesh could be heard, like someone was being hit over and over. The growling picked back up, but now it was much darker and sounded like a rabid animal. Her fear came back just as fast and tenfold as well. And then the footsteps raced toward her. In a blur, her blindfold was off, and she was looking at it. The mask was covered in blood, making him look like a bloody, demonic pigman. A nightmarish visage of sick hatred and fear held within one creature. She wanted to scream. She wanted to cry again. She wanted to run. But all of these wants were impossible as her fear stopped everything from coming to the surface. No air left her lungs. And she couldn't stop staring into the eyes of that which stared back at her. Your god is a failed being, it said with such ferocity. Before she could even begin to think of a response, something within her changed. Her stomach warmed and began to feel numb all at the same time. The room began to blur, and she lost focus of everything but the thing in front of her. You are one of many. Soon, he will answer to me for his failings. He said, as he continued to stab into her, over and over and over and over and over again. She held on for longer than the rest, and the whole time he stabbed her, she did not break eye contact with him. Even when he opened her stomach so much that his hand was now feeling her insides, she did not look away. When her time did come, she saw the moonlight shine through the boards and touch her skin. She felt warm and at peace with herself. She hadn't lost faith in her God, even in her final moments. She would not allow her faith to be taken from her, no matter the cost. 
he looked down at the corpse of the woman. He wiped her blood off his knife, on her sweater, on a clean piece of it, and placed it in his boot. He let her bleed out there, in the moonlight, for quite a while, just looking upon her lifeless form. I hope you stand before your God, he thought. I hope he greets you with love and warmth, and I hope you tell him what I said. He then stepped out of the room. Time to find the next one. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to all my authors, Lindsay, Richard, Stewart. Thank you so much. It was all returning authors this week. It was great. Um, You're all fantastic. And I really appreciate you sending me your stories to let me do this with them. (laughs) I hope you all enjoyed the stories this week as much as I did. Uh, Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook, all at scare you to sleep. Um, Facebook page, just, you know, questions. You can just answer podcast podcast when you enter the group. Um, there are also some split off groups. There's scary to eat where we talk about food and scary to craft, um, where we talk about crafting. I think someone was going to start another branch off one about pets, I believe. Um, cause some of these, like the craft group, I'm not actually an admin in, but if you come to the group and you have like a topic and you want to start a little scare you to something split off group, that's totally fine. Just, um, toss out the idea and yeah. Um, let's see what else. Um, this week, oh, I did a lot. I did a lot of baking this week. I went to see a friend, um, and I don't know if she wants to be mentioned on my show publicly, so I won't say her name, but you know who you are. And, um, I made her a bunch of cookies. I made, I, was very excited. This is a friend who I knew from the internet and I had never gotten to meet in real life and I did. So I made her a bunch of cookies and that was so exciting. And I got to meet Aaron from Watch If You Dare. I hope you went and listened to my episode of Watch If You Dare. Um, and I got to meet Aaron and his wife and they were so lovely and just, it was such a great week of meeting cool people who I've never gotten to meet, you know, face to face. I've only seen them over like Zoom or Twitter or things. So that was a whole lot of fun. Sometimes the internet can be good. <laughs> um, so let's see. Oh yeah. I made her, oh, they're kind of recipes you've already heard me talk about. I made her the um, peanut butter chocolate cookies that were like, it's like a dupe for the crumble cookie recipe, the crumble muddy buddy recipe. And also my favorite chocolate espresso vanilla bean salted it's a lot of stuff in it but those cookies they're amazing um again if you want any recipes feel free to email me um just put it in the title and i should get back to you really quick in fact i think there's one i need to get back to still uh sorry about that if that was you (laughs) um let's see trying to think of anything else i'm supposed to i needed to say this week Uh, i was had a very very busy week from like last Saturday until tonight and I'm very tired. Um, so much is coming again. Uh, so excited to be a part of bloody disgusting. Um, yeah, uh, 
there I'm on the website and everything. It's, it's seriously, I used to, there's going to be a, an article coming out soon and they interviewed me a little bit and I answered this question already. So sneak peek, but, um, I seriously, there, I've been a, a fan of theirs for so long. And when they approached me to be a part of their network, I just was transported back to sitting at the family computer and reading about horror movies on this new website called Bloody Disgusting, and I thought it was the coolest, most clever title ever, and um, now I'm like a part of them. It just feels very, um, you know, kind of a full circle moment. Very exciting. In fact, a friend of mine, JJ, if you're listening, hi. Um, from, uh, from growing up, we've been friends since we were very young. And, um, I mentioned the name bloody disgusting to her and she remembered, and it was just this weird moment. You never think, uh, you know, someone you admired so much as a kid or a teenager that it, you're going to work for them someday, <laughs> you know, or work with them anyway. Um, very, very excited. Um, hoping to pitch them some new show ideas that I've had or work on some of their shows. And yeah, I'm just very excited. Very, very excited. Um, let's see. Um, what else? I don't think I have anything else for you. Um, I'm so sorry. Um, been making a lot of smoothies. (laughs) That's not as exciting as baking. I'm sorry. Um, okay. I'm going to go I really feel like I'm forgetting to tell you something. I feel like I did something and I'm supposed to tell you about it. Oh, again, Midsummer Scream. I will be there Saturday for sure. I probably will be there the other days, but Saturday is the day I'm actually performing a story. So I will be there, be there, be there. Um, So if you're coming, please come say hi. I would love to see you. I'd love to, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't get too weird again. Last time I got weird, I got, I started talking about arm wrestling. I will arm wrestle you if you want me to though. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, there's, they're doing street racing outside of my apartment. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? Probably not. I don't, I don't, I think I have my gain turned down too low. Okay. Well, I'm going to say farewell. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and a fantastic week until I see you again next week. Um, yes, some bonus stuff is going to be coming out. Um, really trying to get something up on YouTube. I apologize if any of, I don't know if anyone (laughs) has been waiting for more YouTube content. I have no idea, but if you are, it's coming. Um, again, I talked about it in my ramble you to sleep, which is available on Patreon, which is what I should have mentioned. Patreon, everything's in the link tree. Um, yeah, you can join Patreon for the Ramble You to Sleep, which is a new little series I've started where I just talk about, you know, just stuff, stuff to ramble you to sleep. And, um, also merch, go get your merch on Teespring. There again, link tree, there's a link to the merch. Um, love to see it. There's all kinds of cool stuff for summer. You, You can get Richard's book and a scary to sleep beach towel. And be ready for goth summer. It'll be awesome. You can be, you can go haunt a beach somewhere. And I love that for you. Okay. I'm going to go remember, drink your water or I will find you. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.